This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I am your host Mo Stewart and I'm joined this week by Ben Berkshire and Emma Gates. And there are lots of things we could have talked about. There were a few things we were going to talk about, which we now can't talk about. <laughs> but there's one, or should I say two people, who everybody's talking about. So we're going to talk about them. After another game in which both fullbacks provided assists, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson have been grabbing the headlines. Most of them have been positive. Now, no one at any, this point is in any doubt these are two of the best fullbacks we've ever seen in the Premier League. But as a combination, are they the best we've ever seen in football? And now this is a big claim, but when you look at the numbers they're putting in and the eye test from the performances in the games, they are literally forcing us to ask this question. And you know what? That's exactly what we're going to do today. <laughs> Why not? We have a show. This is what we do on this show. We ask the questions that everybody else wants to know the answer to. Now, deciding who are the best fullbacks in the world is quite complicated. There's lots of different variables involved. We're going to try and break it down into three or four of those. Obviously, defensive abilities, they are defenders. We should look at that. Offensive abilities, I think we both know that they do quite well in that one. I want to talk about their influence on the whole team from a playmaking perspective as well as from defensively and then their influence on the position itself as in how many other teams are now trying to play exactly like the way they play. So these are all of the things that we're going to be folding into the cake. So let's start with the most controversial, Emma, the defensive abilities. Now, Trent Alexander-Arnold in particular has had his detractors in terms of his defensive strategies, you being one in the last show we did together. <laughs> but what I would say is, as much as he is true, he hasn't always been an elite defender. And we, we're not going to go into the whole positioning debate again, because I think you and I have kind of talked that one to death. <laughs> but I think just from a position of a straight-up one-on-one defensive standpoint, that he has improved over the course of the season. We're now seeing him able to make tackles and stop attacks in ways that maybe he was a little bit vulnerable to previously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, we've talked about this a week ago about Trent. Um, Definitely in terms of his one-on-one battles or duels or whatever way you want to call it, he has definitely improved. You know, he's not as easy to skip past, you know, by attackers from previous years. Um, so in that regards, yeah, de- defensively he has improved um, in that aspect. But again, it's like we said last week, my only problem with him is he attacks so high up the pitch. Mm. If teams then counter, he leaves a big space behind. But again, like me and you discussed last week, that is the trade-off with Trent. You know, you have to take the good with the bad. And unfortunately, yeah. that is the bad. But in terms of standing a player up 1v1, he has undoubtedly improved. I don't think anybody could dispute that. No. And the thing that I have enjoyed seeing this season, Ben, is that he seems to be taking a bit more pride in his defending. Now, obviously, every time we hear him in interviews over the last three or four years, his assist rate has been what most people want to talk about because it is so remarkable. But he is a defender. 
I mean, he wasn't initially a defender when he came into football, obviously, but he has been a defender for a while now. So they do have that pride within the unit, but also personally of being able to defend. And it looks like he's now developing that whole gnarly defender instinct. We saw a lot of that in the game against Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, people always criticise Trent's defending, but I think even in previous seasons, it, it hasn't been that bad in comparison to other English fullbacks. I think Gareth Southgate has often said he's not as good in one versus one situations, but I, I, I think I disagree sometimes. Like, it's 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 that final contribution against Newcastle at the back. I think that was... Uh, People will talk about the goal that he scored in that game, but that defensive contribution, that mm-hmm. last-ditch tackle, which I wrote about, and I said that was Gerard-esque as well, as well mm-hmm. as the goal. People seem to forget that he does have that in him as well. It's it's not just the attacking side of things. He he does have the pace and the the recovery pace to to get back and defend. Now, the pace is a really important part of it because that kind of gives him the belief that he can almost have his cake and eat it by being up there, being attacking and getting back and doing those things. And that one against Newcastle, although Klopp himself called it lucky, I think it was a key um, a key step that he is able to do it or he's attaining that level, so to speak. So let's talk about his partner now. Now, from a defensive perspective, I think most people have had a lot of general respect for Robertson's work. I mean, once he got up to that level after taking his time coming into his Liverpool career, I'll come back to you on him first now, Ben. Um, My favourite thing about Robertson in general has been his attitude to tackling. And again, we see him take a little bit of pride and responsibility in his one-on-one battle. I think against Spurs, it's probably fair to say he took it a little too far. (laughs) But... I mean, it is something that he has always been well-known for. I mean, you think about him as a runner, but he is, as I said, the same with Trent. He's a defender first. Hmm. I mean, you have to be as a fullback. You have to defend. Uh, and I think um, as as much as that can be a positive, it, it can be a negative sometimes, like we saw yesterday. And uh, I think he's given away some penalties in the past as well. But on the whole, I do think is defensive. That hard tackle nature, like that is a mostly a positive, like the way he sort of uh, put fear into Barcelona. I remember in particular in, in that game coming in, get up against Messi and, and those type of players, like you don't want to be facing someone who's a tough tackler. Like you want to be facing someone who's, kind of soft a little bit which obviously there's not that many soft defenders about but you, you don't want to be facing someone like Robertson who is going to go 100% every single time because you don't really see him shying away from tackles and I think it's mostly a positive there are times when it can be of disadvantage to Liverpool but mostly I think that that nature of his is, is a positive. I think so. I think his role within the team, Emmett, sometimes is kind of like the emotional temperature setter, almost like sometimes when they need a little bit of an injection of energy, a little bit of something, maybe even just something to get the crowd going. He's normally the man to turn to. And when you're in a 
moment like that or when you think about some of the games in the Champions League where you're in an oppressive atmosphere you want someone who's going to be as fearless as Robertson but still has the ability to go in and be able to do the job yeah he definitely brings the the needle should we say (laughs) he needs to to fire up his teammates he go in with a, a crunch and tackle and that kind of especially at home you know that'll lift the fans and it'll bring the atmosphere back up if the atmosphere has dropped a little as you know it tends to do in most stadiums around the world obviously the atmosphere go up and down you see a tackle from robinson and it just brings that it ignites the spark again and it can push the team forward so yeah you definitely do need that and robinson is robinson is definitely the most robust of <laughs> of uh, more art uh, challengers shall we say when it tr- comes to putting in tackles he definitely does not shy away mm. from a tackle um and i think too his defensive solidity maybe highlights why Trent comes in for a criticism, mm. you know, because Robinson is so good and they both play in the same team. People then say, well, why can Trent not be that good? But I think, you know, that's a mark of respect for how good defensively Robertson is. Mm. No, I, I agree. Now, when we're thinking about all-time fullback comparisons with each of these different categories, we're going to try and compare them against the very best. So to my mind, I'm a little bit of an older head, so I still have to refer back to the old Arsenal team, Lee Dixon and Nigel Winterburn, who, as much as Tony Adams drew a lot of the attention outside, they were the real defensive stalwarts. At a time when teams had traditional tricky wingers whose whole job, a whole life, was to make fullbacks misery, they locked them down left, right and centre. Okay, for you two guys, who is who is it you think of when you think of the best Pure defensive fullbacks. Ben, I'll start with you. Pure defensive one is hard, but when I think of like the best fun in my generation, it's probably Danny Alves and um, David Alaba at Barcelona because I think they were but they were two players who did the attacking side of it and the defensive side as well. They they were hard to go past, so I have to go with them. Uh, I'm not sure if they're just pure defenders, but in terms of the perfect fullbacks, and the perfect <laughs> I mean, fullbacks. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. This, this is the question, though, isn't it? Because we're going to be doing this for all of the different categories. And I'm sure that uh, Alves and Alba are going to come up again at a certain point. But, Emma, what do you think in terms of, like, being a stoppers, being the team, uh, maybe thinking of some of the Atletico Madrid teams, or maybe even some of the, the old Bayern Munich teams of previous generations. I mean, are we talking English football here, Mo? Or are we talking just European? We, football? We can open it up. We, we're talking about these two as being the best ever, so we can open it up. Um, okay. Well, like as we know, the interpretation of the fullback role has changed substantially over the last thirty years. You know, you always hear. Fullbacks say from the 80s and 90s, saying basically they weren't allowed past the halfway line. You know, you were not, your zone was defending, and don't you dare think of going up to the other end because that's not your role. That's what wingers are there for, attacking midfielders, number 10. So the role has changed substantially and it has evolved so much, mm-hmm. probably since maybe the mid 2000s, late 2000s. Um, obviously, Pep has a lot to do with that, and then Klopp, yeah. obviously, what he's done at Liverpool. So, the role has evolved in terms of pure defensive um, duos. I would say the two 
that instantly sprung to mind was Paolo Maldini and Mauro Tassati in that great Milan team from the yes. 90s. You had Tassati, Maldini, Baresi, Costa You'd almost name, you know, arguably probably the greatest defensive four in the history of the game. Like you were not scoring past them, you know, defensively as sound as it gets. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're talking purely in defensive oh, aspects yes. of the game, to me, you can't beat those two. But also I would say Liza Razou and Lillian Charam for the France mm-hmm. side that won the World Cup in 1988. The game was more attacking at that point and Liza Razou was generally the one that went forward more and Charam was just, he was a monster at the back. Yeah. He could do it all, could play in centre-back. So those two instantly sprung to mind. And then Roberto Carlos and Michel Salgado at Real Madrid. Obviously, Roberto Carlos <laughs> wasn't known for his defending, but Salgado was more of the Salgado was more of the Andy Robertson mm-hmm. of the two. Yeah. Carlos was more like Trent, who just bombed forward and took free kicks, and you know. So they're the ones that springs to mind when you you bring that argument up. So yeah, that, that's a good group, and I feel like all of those will probably feature again in some of these categories, particularly as we're now going on to talk about their attacking abilities. Now, obviously, this is a much easier sell. As I mentioned, this is the thing that most of us talk about or think about when we think about Trent and Robbo. Both men have over 40 Premier League assists, which puts them both in the top four when it comes to the mark for defenders, both of them closing in on Leighton Baines' record of 53. I should say the Premier League website has Antonio Valencia and Ashley Young as defenders, but they only spent part of their career as defenders. So I'm eliminating them from this. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering why those names were not on there. They are both technically have more assists, but they were wingers. Come on now. We know the way it started. Now, 40 assists from fullback at a rate for Robertson, roughly one every five games, in it, And for Trent, roughly one every three and a half games. I mean, it is hard not to take for granted how remarkable that is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I mean, that's the thing with numbers. They can kind of become lost on you because it's just numbers on a computer screen and it just goes up and up and up. But you don't... It can be hard to appreciate just how good... those numbers are and when you see it in actuality on a football pitch it's remarkable that the fact that they are closing they probably you know together they will beat you know the record it's only a matter of time as you know I I just written a piece this morning for Liverpool.com both of them are still pretty young I mean Trent's what 22 Robertson's 27 so I mean inevitably those records will tumble and Trent already this year is on 11 assists you know, which is two more than what he did than what he managed in the whole of last season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like by the time they finish their Anfield careers, records will, will be broken. Absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah. No, it's a, it's an important point you make there about the difference between numbers because it's something we use now, Ben, a lot of the time when we're having arguments like this and debates, and when someone's saying who's better than who, it's just a fact of numbers. But to sit down and think about it, think about Every three and a half games. So that's over the course of maybe Liverpool play four games, normally 10 to 14 days. Every two weeks. Every two weeks, our right back is assisting a goal. Every two weeks for the four or five years of his entire career. I mean, the thing that there are so many moments about Trent in particular that you can drool over, but I want to kind of give a shout out to the variety 
of his play. I mean, when you think about the crosses from deep, the cutbacks, the little dinks over the top, or even when him and Robbo decide to have a little one-two from either side, 40 yards apart. I mean, as someone who used to be able to address a football with at least some competency, was he able to see him spray it around like a golfer? It really is incredible to watch sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, both of them really are incredible to watch. I think Robertson, I'd highlight his uh, stamina and energy more. Mm. He kind of plays like as what you'd call maybe even a traditional winger back in the olden days, the way he overlaps Mane as Mane drops in as the forward. And we've seen him over the last six games assist four goals and score one, which 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 is an attacking player's statistic. Like those are attacking numbers. And then obviously Trent is the kind of creator, the architect of everything at Liverpool at the moment. You saw against Tottenham, his assist, the goal against Newcastle. Um, he can just do it all. And I think that's the scary thing about both of them is that they're capable of doing everything you know they 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 can defend even if people say Trent can't defend I think he, he still can I think he's still competent in that uh, but going forward it's not like you just have to stop one of them which tends to be even in like as we look at all the great teams with great fullbacks it tended to be one of them was more attacking than the other but with these two you have both of them contributing and attack. You have competitions between them who can assist more in certain seasons. They're always competing with each other. And I think that's the exciting part about this fullback partnership, which you rarely see. That is a challenge. No, well, this is the thing, isn't it? It's you have to pick your poison if you're an opposing manager sometimes. You can't really just overload on one because you're leaving the other one springing free. So let's move on to now the influence of these players because that's kind of what we're talking about with that. Um, I think when we consider, particularly going back to Jordi Alba and Dani Alves or even Cafu and Roberto Carlos from the Brazilian national team, those are the two that are normally touted as the best pairings of previous eras. All of those players had influence on the attack, but they didn't have to bear the load that these two are. They weren't expected. They had other great playmakers in and around them. Now, Emma, one thing I noticed um, last season, Trent and Robertson were number one and number two for the number of touches by a player in the entirety of the Premier League. <laughs> and Trent is number one currently this season and caused to repeat the feat. I mean, that really does speak to how much of a load they are expected to bear and why that really doesn't compare to any of the previous eras we mentioned. Yeah, and I think it highlights to the importance of fullbacks in the modern game. You know, I feel like over the last maybe, say, 20, 25 years, the fullback role has evolved to be to become one of the most important roles on a football pitch. You know, mm-hmm. even more so maybe than say center center defenders or attacking midfielders. If you have a really good pair of fullbacks who can stretch a game and give you more options, the better your team is going to do. Because you know, we kind of me and you touched on this more last week against Newcastle. 
Newcastle basically parked the bus, the plane, the train, you know, the whole <laughs> city of Newcastle come down and just swamped, you know, Liverpool's backs. And having Trent there on the right-hand side give another option, he could cross them deep or he could provide the width, which then that forces a Newcastle defender to either come out and meet him, which would then free up space for the likes of Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, whatever, or they just stay in their black and he has the quality to cross in the ball and provide service. So you don't know whether to stick or twist. And I feel like you obviously have Robinson on the other side of that. And I feel like very rarely in the modern game that you get two fullbacks that are equally as good going forward. Kind of as Ben mentioned, you usually in the past, historically, you had one fullback who did most of the attacking and the other one sat back. But with yeah. these two, they, they're so important and they provide so much width it's not really surprising with, it, with those stats that you threw out about them having the most touches mm-hmm. because the fullback position has evolved now that is so pivotal to how teams set up. And all the best teams now at the at the minute, you think of mm-hmm. arguably the best three teams in Europe, Liverpool, Man City and Bayern, all have really good fullbacks. And that's no surprise. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. No, and they're all very key to how they want to play the game. I mean, obviously, Jao Cancelo, all Manchester City fans, every time we bring up Trent, they feel the need <laughs> to start shouting his name. And he's been fantastic. I'm sure Chelsea fans are doing the same with Reese James now. It, but you're right, it has become the way home for all teams now. And having the tandem to be able to go in different ways, Ben, it really does make a difference. And if you think about the way they are different, they are used slightly differently. Trent has his little triangle with uh, Jordan Henderson and with Mo Salah, whereas Robertson and Mane tend to be on almost like a one-two level. Like you say, they'll both know how to overlap each other, know when to drop back and cover each other. This are so many different parts of Liverpool's game plan that involve these two. Surely that also means there's going to be so many different parts of the opposition's game plan that has to involve them as well. Exactly. I mean, that's what I was talking about. It's it's hard to really stop them because you have to prepare for both of them. And then, But then if you prepare for just Trent and Robertson, then you have Salah, Mane, Firmino, Jota and Thiago to also prepare for. So it, it, it is... Uh, I think kind of Liverpool's luxury at the moment that they can, they do have all these quality players who can unlock defences and who can be creative and who can score goals. So it is hard to just prepare for one. Mm. No, one and two of them. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's true. I think what you were mentioning before about having to try and plan for both of them at the same time. It's, it must be so hard when you think about the previous Liverpool midfields. It was a very much a functional setup, and therefore the fullbacks had to be the playmakers. But you mentioned Thiago there. We now have players in midfield who can do damage in that area as well as those others. So it's almost like there's even less um, resources available for an opposition manager to cover for them. And Hence, they're, they're having a heyday now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, the way Liverpool are set up is a bit different to the, the other teams that you compare them to. So with Chelsea, the, the fullbacks kind of play as wingers, then 
at, at City, you have Cancelo always almost dropping into the centre at times. And uh, it, Cancelo has the advantage. He doesn't have a Robertson. He has a Zinchenko or a Walker sometimes who does just drop in and, become, and, and makes it into a sort of like three-man defence rather than at Liverpool where you have these full-backs who are primarily full-backs, but they can also do other roles, which is what I think the other sort of players that you compare them to. I think James is more of a winger rather than a fullback at the moment, and Cancelo is more of a midfielder. But with Trent and Robertson, you see their defensive side of it and their attacking side as well. So it, it, they, they take up multiple roles, in my opinion, hmm. in, in that Liverpool team. That's, 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 that's a fair point. And the thing with Man City and Chelsea in particular is that they're really good examples of how different systems are playing to the advantage, Emma. Like, we think about the, the traditional four-man defence. We've seen a lot of 4-2-3-1 throughout the top end of world football. A lot of inverted wide forwards cutting inside and trying to chew a goal, leaving all that space for these fullbacks to roam into, which is a lot of what you see with us and obviously with Manchester City. But then the flip side of it, we've seen a lot of three at the back now and fullbacks becoming wing-backs and therefore starting in positions being higher up the pitch and having more influence. And I mean, Liverpool's fullbacks generally start higher up the pitch anyway. So it really is like we get the best of both worlds here. Yeah, and I mean, if you have that flexibility, it always comes in handy down the line. If it ever got the situation where Jurgen Klopp maybe needed to alter tinker a system and maybe go play three five two. You know, you could obviously use Trent and Robertson as wing backs. Mm-hmm. And as you say, they kind of play that role anyway because they start so high up and that's kind of the prerequisite for playing five across the middle of the pitch that you're you're not really starting as right and left back, but right wing back and left wing back, you're just going slightly further up. You're kind of starting in midfield. But because yeah. Liverpool press that high and those two are that high up, regardless, it, you would imagine it would make that transition easier. And therefore, it would give Jurgen Klopp an alternative, should he ever need it, to tinker systems. I think Jurgen Klopp's not seen... He's shown a reluctance to go with three at the back outside of injury time, when we've got a lead or uh, a point to defend. But it does give us that option. I do think... I do wonder sometimes whether they try any of that stuff in training, because... They have the abilities within the, the the capabilities within the footballers themselves. Maybe they've been thinking about it for a bit. Maybe we can give this a go sometime. I don't know. Now, taking all of this information into account, and we have mentioned some of the greats of the past. We've mentioned how the game has changed. We've mentioned how these two have helped bring the game forward to the next stage of fullback play. So are we saying they're the greatest ever combo? It's a big shout, granted, as we said at the top of the show. But are any of you willing to say that these are the best two fullbacks any team has been able to field at the same time? Emma, I'll ask you first. I mean, it's a bold statement, Mo. That's all the game up here, mate. That's all we're here for. <laughs> I feel like it's still too early to say in terms of where they stand in the pantheon of all-time greats. Definitely, I would definitely make the argument that in terms of Premier League history, definitely maybe top two, top three, absolutely. But in terms of the world game, I think you maybe need to wait another 
two or three years, kind of to see where they stand. Obviously, as you know, we all know here, winning trophies plays a big part in that. So if Liverpool maybe win another Champions League and another Premier League, then you know there can be really little arguments. But for me, as it stands now, I I wouldn't say that they're the greatest of all time. But definitely in Premier League history, on unquestionably, they're definitely an argument. Well, a sensible answer there from Emmett. But Ben, he does make a very important point: is that trophies do tend to be the thing that settles most arguments, as we've seen with our little awards show <laughs> from previous weeks. It is having silverware on the sideboard that matters when your career comes to an end. So by the time these two hang up their boots, do you think that they they will have made that requirement? They will have got those extra trophies to be able to win this particular argument? Oh, okay. There you go. I suppose I don't get a chance to answer these questions very often myself. Well, I think that you are probably right that we will have to wait until the end of their career. But I think the trajectory that they're on, it will take something drastic for them to not be able to win this argument by the time they're done. I think that's fair. I, I think that we're going to enjoy watching them grow and because they are still evolving both as players and within the team unit. As some of the other players get older and new players come in and maybe we change some of how we play, I can't wait to see how they adapt to that. But yeah, maybe not right now, but soon. And that feels like the perfect way to end this show. It's been fantastic. It's been a roller coaster. It's been a little bit chaotic at times, which kind of mirrors the guys that we're talking about. We honours them, our, our fullback wingmen, as much as we should do. So, Ben, Emma, thank you for this wonderful chat. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.